Let us pray. O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dorothy Day, who was one of the founders of the Catholic Worker Movement and a very strong anti-war Roman Catholic activist, um, once said late in her life, don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed so easily. I think of that on this day when we celebrate and remember the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who has become for us a saint who is perhaps a little bit, by that very adulation, easy to dismiss too easily. So we now have parks and schools and streets and all sorts of things named after him. We have our national holiday in January. We have this uh, feast day in the church, which uh, marks his martyrdom. And with all of that, it might be too easy to just um, domesticate and package him away in this nice little historical box. A good person who, you know, is distant from our lives and is easy to just uh, quietly dismiss. And that would be a a pity, because actually uh, Martin Luther King was an incredibly radical and challenging activist for the sake of the gospel. He saw his witness as not only political, which it was, but deeply grounded in his Christian faith. So that while he got the the idea of nonviolence from Mahatma Gandhi and others, he saw in it that it was a deeply Christian way of bringing about social change, which we hear in this text, to love your enemies, to do good to those who persecute you, to pray for those who abuse you, And even if someone strikes you on the one cheek, to offer the other as well. So that can sound like being passive or being wimpy, but it was really the opposite. And if you've ever watched any of the footage of those demonstrations and those acts of civil disobedience that Martin Luther King was leading, you will see that they were anything but passive, anything but weak. Actually, nonviolence is an incredibly assertive, provocative, strong way of standing against evil. And the principle of it, which is deeply grounded in Christian faith, is that when you absorb unwarranted suffering and put your own body in the way of receiving that suffering, you cause a moral revolution which is that people can't when when you when they see that evil being done that you are willing to to absorb in your own person that causes people to wake up to the better angels of their nature and to make change so if you if you think about things like the people marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. And the first time they were, they were trying to do this march from Selma to Montgomery to, to lift up the issue of voter registration and the suppression of the African-American vote in the South, and especially in 
that state. So they started to cross this bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You probably all know this story. And the police were waiting on the other side and just started clubbing them down. And the courage of the marchers was that they just kept marching so that these clubbing happened and then all of these people were very seriously injured by it. And so eventually they had to turn around, but a week later, having called for help from all over the country, they marched again. And this time they were able to, to go through. But what had happened was that there was such a moral outcry because of having witnessed the unmerited suffering that they received, that, that it caused some sort of a change in people's hearts. That is what nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience does for us. So it would be a mistake to think of Martin Luther King as a person who was in any way passive, that that kind of action was anything but. It was strong, it was provocative, and, and any time that we truly love our enemies and allow ourselves to receive the suffering that goes along with that, we are participating in a very active movement for social and spiritual transformation. And the question for today, in my mind, is where do we need to be putting our bodies on the line right now? So we, we look back at Martin Luther King and think he was living in this time when there was all this injustice, so he had to act, right? Well, the same is true today. And we just we perhaps lack eyes to see where we are being called to put our bodies on the line as he did. But there's no point in having a feast day like this unless we see that in fact this witness has got to carry on into the present and that there must be ways that we ourselves are called upon to stand for righteousness as he did. And when we do that, of course, we may find that the hatred of the world comes upon us as it did upon him. And the other thing that would be a mistake in terms of Martin Luther King Jr. would be to lionize him and think of him as a larger-than-life figure, which in many ways he was. I mean, he was an incredible person, but he was human. And my favorite story about him, which you may know, is during the Montgomery bus boycott when he was, this was his first major public action that he was in, he was leading, and he was only 29 or something when he did that. He came to Montgomery, and he was living there, and, and the, the boycott was heating up and had been going on for a while, and he was starting to get death threats, and, there, and, you know, and he kept going, but there was one night when somebody called him in the middle of the night and woke him from sleep and said, we've had about all we can take from you, and then used the N-word, which I won't say, if you don't leave town within 24 hours, you'll be sorry you ever came to Montgomery and then hung up the phone. And of course, he was terrified. And so he went down to his kitchen. His wife was there. His children were there, but they were asleep. And he went down to the kitchen and he brewed some coffee for himself. And he thought, what can I do to get out of this? How can I save face and, and exit this struggle as fast as I can? And um, that was the way he was thinking because he was afraid, you know, as we all would be. Um, and he prayed, and he, as he prayed, sitting there at the kitchen table, he heard a voice very distinctly saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, I am with you 
from now to the end of the age. And with that strength, he didn't leave Montgomery. And despite all the hatred that came at him, he kept at his mission until the end. Of course, he was a martyr, which is why we have all this red today. Um, And that might be the fate of those who stand up for righteousness. And yet, obviously, that's our calling when the voice of God comes to us and says, there are still so many places in this world where justice and righteousness need to flow down like water. And as Christians, we are called to that work. And thank God we are part of the communion of saints, like Martin Luther King, supported by God's powerful love to do this work that we are called to do. Amen.